Hey, uh, thank you guys for, for jumping in here. You're, you're wondering, hey, are we in the right place? Yes, you should be in, in, in unleashing lay leaders to do the work of marriage ministry. Uh, my name is Lance Cisco. This is Scott Kadersha as well. So Scott does the pre-married stuff here at Watermark, and my role is mainly newly married ministry, and so that's foundation groups, which we mentioned a lot in the main session today. also get the opportunity to do a thing called Expecting Parent Class, where we help some newly married, or uh, some couples who are about to have children for the first time, kind of walk through that early stages. That you're laughing. You're like, oh, that's chaos, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, guess what's coming? Uh, so I get, to, I get to help out with a lot of that and then kind of serve together on the marriage team. And so, um, you know, as we jump in and share stuff with you guys today, we're going to kind of tag team this, kind of go back and forth. Uh, we're going to walk through really just kind of eight uh, kind of eight steps to creating a leadership culture. Um, we'll talk through it, and then we're going to leave us time to just talk about it. So more than likely, you're going to have specific questions. It's really hard um, in a leader breakout like this for us to cover and, and just nail everybody to where you get to the end of it and you go like, yep, See, they, they covered exactly what we needed. So our hope is that at the end of this, you know, as we do Q&A, that you'll be able to kind of ask more maybe some of your specific questions so that when you walk out those doors, you don't go, well, that sucked. Um, you know, so we, you're going to help kind of the end of it, which would be great. So, sound good? Awesome. Um, do you have a clicker or we? We don't. No. So we just, we just we got push the We've the smallest buttons. room <laughs> with apparently no air conditioning you and no push the buttons. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that'd be great. So you just tell me and I'll click. Yeah, so. Yeah, you, you totally listen. Okay. Yes. I used to sit on the front row too. I thought about when I came in and just sit there like this. And like, <laughs> so welcome. You're like, man, this guy's done this before. Um, so here's the deal. Like for us, very quickly, we, we realized we, we can't do it all, okay? And so when it comes to being leader, you know, doing ministry like this, marriage ministry leadership, you realize, I can't do this all. I can't meet with every couple that has marriage issues. I can't lead over, for me, the foundation groups, I can't lead every foundation group that we have for merge. Like, Scotty can't invest in every couple that's here. And so I'm sure even sitting there in those sessions earlier today and you heard this peer model, you know, that's laid out, and you're going, here, I'm rich, a step... And you're kind of going, how many of us are on staff? Zero. Oh, wow. Like, we're lay people. Or, hey, I'm on staff, but guess what else is under me? I'm also doing children's ministry, and I also do marriage, and I, you know, I'm also doing, I'm also the youth pastor, and I, and I play the organ, by the way. And, you know, you've got, like, all these different things that you're going, how do I do all of this? And, and, and so what we would just tell you is you don't have to do it all, okay? And so Ephesians 4.12 says, um, you know, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so a lot of what we're doing is trying to equip the saints. Okay, we're trying to equip the saints. Um, I don't know the order of these slides. Could you see? Just find out what's Obviously, next, beep. guys. There you go. Yeah. And so 2 Timothy 2.2, I mentioned this earlier in the main session. This is in what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trustees to faithful men who will teach others also. And so when it comes to leaders, that's what, what you're doing. You're equipping them. You're, you're building them up. And that the hope that they will do the same. Okay, that, that this won't just be something that kind of ends on them, but it'll be something that's continued for sure. Yeah. Other passage on this, First Peter 2, 9, says that you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we just feel very passionately that, that we are raising up I mean, a kingdom of priests. Okay, people that will be the church, not just go to church. Um, and so when we try to get people to step in and lead uh, in our ministry, we realize, hey, this is this is a bigger serve than just setting coffee out or handing out, you know, some type of a, a bulletin, you know, on a Sunday. And those are great ministries that honestly we go, hey, we need faithful people in those roles. But when it comes to leaders in ministry, and especially leaders who are impacting marriages, we, we take very seriously the thought that, hey, we, are, we need to raise up a kingdom of priests. So... So a little bit about just our background and our story as a church. And it's re- again, it is really easy to come in here and see this huge mega church. We do not have the, the typical church origin. You know, we started 15 years ago as a, once it wasn't a church split, but a lot of our guys came from another church. And so we started larger than most churches probably ever will be. So some of this is just unfair, but we haven't always been like this. You know, we always haven't had the incredible leaders like we do now. And so it's just been faithful turns, one after the other, of building leaders up. You heard Lance uh, mention, or, you know, you know, I think in the Q&A in the main stage, he mentioned bringing others along. And so a few things that we have realized from the beginning, a few axioms, 
is that we always need to bring other people with us. So if a couple is in crisis and they're struggling, it's not my job to go meet with them alone. I call someone else to come with me. It's part of the way that we build disciples. It's one of the things we have been doing since we started here as a church 15 years ago. And one thing I need to be consistently reminded of is I think of lay leaders is that they love getting called into action. Think of my friend Adam, who uh, Steve and I know. He used to be a CPA full-time, and all he would do all day long is look at numbers. And so when I called up Adam and said, hey, I've got a couple who is struggling, he couldn't wait to jump in the game. I get to talk and interact with human beings, not just spreadsheets. And so I think they'll just do a much better job than we do. It's not their job. And so they are dying to be able to pour into the lives of other people. Uh, and so we need to invite them in. And that, that's one of the things we've done from the beginning is invite other people along. And then we just we don't start doing something unless we have someone capable to lead. And so this thing has grown continually over the years as we brought more and more people along. One thing that we know is that this thing rises and falls on good leaders. And so it's just like a teeter-totter. It is only going to work if we find effective people. And so we like to say with our job, the most strategic, important thing that we can do is find effective leaders. Because I can't do it all. Lance can't do it all. You can't do it all. We've got to find faithful people. It's Second Timothy 2.2. Bring others along, faithful people that are going to lead others well. Anything to add to that before we jump on Okay, so we put this little, just a grid, a diagram together of eight things that you need to do to find leaders just to unleash them to do the work of the ministry. First is that you've got to define who and what you're looking for. And so I love the picture. Where's Waldo? And so just so we don't waste any time on this, does anyone know where he is? He's right, right there. Okay. So now you can stop trying yeah, to find like, Waldo. If you're like me, you wouldn't have been able to focus on anything else. Like, <laughs> where is he? And so first, you've got to figure out what you're looking for. What is your ideal leader? What does their marriage look like? What does their walk with Jesus look like? What do their social skills look like? And so the reality is when you are in marriage ministry or any kind of ministry where you lead people, you've got to have all those things. If the marriage ministry specifically, you've got to have a walk with Christ that we can emulate. You've got to have a marriage that you want to emulate. And you've got to be able to lead others. And so there's got to be some social skill there. And so we do 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Is there someone that we can say... Follow them as they follow Christ. That's the kind of leader that we're looking for. And so what, what do they look like? What does their marriage look like? My grid is very simple. You know, I don't want to disappoint you, but I look for people who love Jesus, who love their spouse, and they both have to love their spouse, not just one. They love Jesus. They love their spouse. They don't have a perfect marriage, but do they have a marriage that we would say you can follow them? Do they care about others? And so in marriage ministry, there's got to be like, they don't have to have the holy discontent that Lance and I have, but they've got to be at this place where they really care about God's design for marriage, that they're willing to jump in and help shepherd couples. So they love Jesus, do they love each other, do they care about others? The fourth thing I look for is this very strategic, important one. Are they able and willing to have hard conversations? Are they able to address pornography and leadership and submission and marriage, divorce, remarriage, and cohabitation, premarital sex, uh, whatever it might be? Are they willing to dive in and have the messy, ugly, difficult conversations? Okay, we're not looking for people who are perfect. We're looking for people who are authentic. We're looking for living examples, not perfect examples. And just to be very clear, that, start, that starts with us. That starts with me and my wife, Kristen. Kristen just left. We don't have... The perfect marriage. Okay, we struggle, we fight. I'm the most selfish person I know. She's selfish at times as well. And so we lead out of our own authenticity. We don't lead out of this idea that we have perfect marriages. And th- those are the kind of people we're trying to find. Is who is living this out, not someone that pretends to have it all together. They've got to be someone who's a good facilitator. And so there's something about when you get in a group of people, you've got to be able to shepherd a conversation and facilitate. What do you do? with the person that talks all the time? What do you do with the couple that never talks? What do you do with the couple that everything's great? You know, we, we never really fight anymore. We've never fought. We've never had a fight. You know, what do you do with that couple? What do you do with a couple that's just really socially awkward? And so how do you lead and how do you love folks? Uh, there's a small group dynamic piece. 
They've got to have a biblical depth. They don't have to be seminary trained, but they have to be either able to find what God's Word says, or they have to be able to say the very humble thing of, I don't know the answer to your question, but I will find it out by the time we come back together next week. Or I don't know today, but I'll find out for you tomorrow. And so we don't want to compromise who leads just because there is a need. There is always going to be a demand, but we've got to find people who love the Lord, love their spouse, care about others, and are really willing to dive in and have the hard conversations. That's good. So I think what Scotty shared there, too, with the define is, like, you kind of get this high-level view of, hey, what we're looking for in every leader, but then probably specific to what the serve is. So for Merge, there's things that he's looking for that maybe are different for a Merge leader than would be for a foundation leader. And so then you're also going to want to kind of begin to define, hey, what are the qualities I'm going to be looking for in a leader? What are those essentials that leaders would need to do? For us in foundation group, it's abide with Christ, cultivate relationship, promote participation, provide care. You know, and so you, you may be in your mind starting to think, through, okay, what are those essentials that a leader would need? The second thing um, you do in this step is just you recruit them. Like, you've got to go get them. Um, and, and so I think so many times when it comes to having people jump in and serve uh, in, in, in your ministries is it's easy to kind of just go to a ministry fair, set up a booth, you know, and all of a sudden you're just kind of, people are coming to you, walking up, you're like, oh gosh, I hope, just please. And, you know, you're shaking hands with fingers out to just, is there a pulse? Okay, good. They can go with these guys. No, it's like, no, that's not, that's not the way we want to do this. And so for us, we're not, like, we're not setting up booths after a Sunday morning and going, hey, come serve in marriage ministry. Like, there are, there are other serves that we think are great kind of first step serves, but marriage ministry is not one of them. Okay, so we, we want to make sure that we provide on-ramps for those people, but, but for right now, it's like, hey, we, we want to go out and find great leaders. So, you know, when it comes to that whole process of recruiting them, um, one of the greatest challenges you're going to face is that they're not going to feel qualified. Okay? They're, they're going to go, ah, I, don't, I don't feel qualified. The second thing you're going to hear is I don't have a margin. Okay? I don't feel qualified. I don't have a margin. So the, I don't feel qualified. Very quickly, we are telling them and letting them know, hey, look, we're looking for living examples, not perfect examples. Okay? And so they're going, hey, I don't think you know how much I've messed this up. And, hey, we, we actually fought last night. Are you sure you I'm like... That's even better. Like if you could fight right before the group comes over, that's really good material, <laughs> you know. And so, so just kind of let them know. Really, it's how are they good at resolving that conflict? Are they are they are they would they be able to teach out of just their imperfections? And so, you know, we're great with that. Um, you know, being able to find some people who, who we go, hey, you're not going to feel qualified. And honestly, if I sat down with you right now and you were just telling me how great you thought you'd be at leading in marriage ministry, I probably wouldn't want you to lead in marriage ministry. But the fact that there is this level of concern, it tells me that there's this feeling of this is bigger than me. Okay, And, and so I want our leaders to be at a place where, where they're serving it is. It's bigger than them. Why? Because it forces them to be temp- dependent on the Lord. It's not something that they attempt to do on their own and in their own strength. Because as we know, it can kind of lead to some bad places. And so when it comes to recruiting them, uh, we want to sit down with every couple that we get a chance to uh, have lead in our ministry. Um, there are plenty of churches out there that they actually have application processes, you know, that they've kind of put together, which is a great idea to be able to kind of write out, hey, what are what are things we want to know about them? Like, hey, how long they've been married? You know, what places have you served before? All those different types of things where they'd go, hey, you can just get on there online, fill this out, and then when you sit down with them face to face over lunch, you can just talk through that stuff. So there's there's places that do that. For us, we rely pretty heavily on our community groups to kind of help give us. Um, kind of a better understanding of where these couples are at in their marriages. Hey, is this something you think they could take on? Is this, uh, is this a good fit for them? Do they have the margin there? If you don't have community groups where you feel like people are doing life together, where they're sharing authentically, where they're confessing sin before one another, and you're kind of going, man, I don't know that I'd even trust what this group is going to say, you need to find ways, you know, to find, you know, to be able to check references. And so when you're sitting down for them uh, over a lunch, uh, face-to-face, first off, we love to get together with the couple together. Uh, because there's just so much that you can learn from seeing their interactions with each other. Like, is he always cutting her off? Um, is, she, is she sharing everything and he's kind of just more quiet, passive? Um, you know, so just trying to figure out, hey, that doesn't mean they can't lead. It's just that, that, that all plays in the equation of trying to figure out, hey, is this going to be a good fit? Are they relatable? Are there couples that we're going to place in their care? Are they going to be able to relate to them? Um, and so we're looking for all those things as we sit down with them. Uh, we want to hear their story. Okay, we want to hear the gospel in the midst of their story. Um, we want to um, also learn about their marriage. You know, just as they talk about marriage, does it sound like they love each other? Does it sound like they enjoy being married? Does it sound like 
they're going to be at a place where they could impact marriages in a positive way. And so, and good questions to ask. You want some of those? And we just, hey, what's your favorite part about being married? And what do you enjoy most? What uh, What's the hardest part about being married? You know, and if it's like, well, you know, just everything's great. It's like, hmm, I don't know. Are you married? You know, it's like there's, there's, there's hard parts to that. And so we, we love to see that. We ask that question a lot just to kind of see, hey, are they going to be vulnerable? Are they going to be authentic? Are they going to really be able to open up and share about their marriage, some of the things that are hard? And, um, you know, one of the other questions we ask is just, hey, is there anything we need to know that would disqualify you from leadership? And that's kind of toward the end. Like, we've heard their story. We've laughed. We've heard of places they've served. But toward the end of that time, it's just like, hey, so here's the deal. Yeah, we just, I just want to know. And obviously on the front end, this is such a better time to have this conversation. And you get into a leadership role, and there's something that disqualifies you from leadership later. And so, you know, is there anything that would disqualify you from leadership? You know, and, and I don't know. Some of those couples, I mean, they, they could lie right through that, absolutely. But on our end, we just go, hey, we asked that question. You know, we waited to see if there was an answer. Some of them may not tell you then, but you may get an email later. Hey, I think we're going to wait, and we're actually going to go through re-engage instead of, you know, leading a group right now. And it's like, and that's awesome. And so this is just great ways to talk to them about it. Uh, we want them to articulate the gospel. And then questions we're kind of asking ourselves is, is this a marriage I would like to see multiplied? Is this, is this a marriage that is worth emulating? Um, this one's great for me. I, what I want my kids to be discipled by these guys. When I go, hey, I would entrust my children to your care because I, I, I love seeing the way you guys interact with each other. Um, and then the other question is, do I think they can relate well to pre-newly married or crisis married couples? Okay, would they relate well? And so I think I mentioned that one as well. And so when I get recruiting, please, it is so good to come up with kind of this set group of questions that you feel like you have a good picture of them and in some type of a way, um, you know, what Scotty's going to share next. So. Yeah, so a little bit more on the, the recruitment side. And so there's a little bit of a tension here, right? So if I want to find good leaders, and that, that is my job. My job is largely to find good folks to lead others. There could be a tendency that whenever I come walking someone's way, that they go, oh, man, Kadersha's going to ask me to lead again. Or Kadersha's calling. I know why he calls. Every time he calls... It's because I have a need. Every time his name comes across my inbox or text message, it's delete, because he needs delete. something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's a tension that we've got to find good people, but we also have to really care about them a lot more than we do about just filling our need of finding leaders. The flip side of that is because it is my job, I am always thinking about leaders. And so if I go to a birthday party for one of my kids, part of me wonders who's going to be there. And so that doesn't determine whether or not I go. But if I know that's a great opportunity to have a conversation, I may not initiate it. I'd be love it if they would. But I know that's a place that I'm going to connect with someone that maybe this is another place to find leaders or to recruit leaders. My mind is constantly thinking of who is going to be the next leader to serve with us in this ministry. Yeah, that's, I, I serve on the welcome team, the children's ministry, and Sarah serves there too. So please don't tell them that that's why I serve there. But, but it is, it's a great way for me to connect with my leaders. They're dropping off their kids on Sunday mornings. I can interact with them. I can have quick conversations about, hey, how's group life going? Um, I'm meeting their friends. And then obviously starting to go, hey, that might be someone with, we need to look into to lead. So yeah, your eyes are always peeled for ways to find leaders. I love whenever I do, I do the announcements on a Sunday morning about once a month and guaranteed every time I finish, I've got two or three leaders or emails from people that, hey, I saw you up say, on stage and reminded me that we want to jump into the next class. And so I love that. If you can find opportunities to get in front and just remind people of the need, don't be afraid to ask because we cannot do it all. The third one on there is research. And so uh, doing the hard work, and Lance covered a lot of this already, but just having the conversation, spending time with them, hearing their testimony. Don't assume, assume just because they, are, they claim to be believers that they know how to articulate the gospel. And so one of the jobs, one of the most uh, important things that we can do is we lead a ministry or as we look for leaders, is that we've got to know if they can help others discern where they are with Jesus. And so a lot of our leaders, I, I believe they really do love the Lord, but they don't know how to shepherd others through that conversation. And so the most important thing that one of my leaders needs to do in Merge is not to give good marriage counsel. It's not to help them make the best next decision. Their job, first and foremost, is to find out where these guys are with Christ. And if they're living together, we don't worry about that right away if they're not believers. We worry about sharing Christ with them. And so they've got to be able to know what questions do I ask? How do I kind of sniff out the workspace answers? And you know, you know how that goes. You know, are you, a, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a good person. Okay, well, let's, let's unpack that. Let's double-click on that. Let's figure out what that means if you're a good person. 
Do you understand what it means to be saved by grace through faith, not by anything you've done? And so they've got to be able to discern as best they can where someone is spiritually. Uh, we want to know, I always love this, Lance mentioned, uh, this is off topic a little bit, when we ask our leaders, what's your favorite part of being married? What do you think the number one answer on the board is? And so if I did, you know, uh, Family Feud, top five answers that couples like being married to one another, what do you think, what do you think is number one on the list? Companionship. Companionship. Who said that? Like by far. And so if there's a hundred points available, four, three, or two through five get about one or two points each, and companionship gets about 90. It's unreal. And I, I love that. And unfortunately, I don't think, side note again, that we talk about that enough to pre-marriage. You know, sometimes we just talk about how hard it is and how tough kids are, and we don't talk about how fun it is. And so I, I hope you guys are, if you're married, I hope that you love being married to your spouse. And then, you know, if you're not happily married, a, a large piece of that is uh, because of complacency and boredom, and we're not pouring into our marriages. And kids suck the life out of us. Technology sucks the life out of us. And so we've got to make room for companionship in marriage. Uh, the question, I don't know if you mentioned this one or not, I forgot, is just, you know, if you've got a child, to share this. Uh, that, yeah, the, if you've got a child, would you, you want, want them to be yeah. up by that couple? Okay, so uh, don't let the need force you to compromise who leads. And so one, my first year on the job, there's this couple that, uh, they're a great couple around here. They're kind of legendary, great kids. They're uh, very well known by the student ministry. They emailed me and said they want to lead in marriage ministry. And so my, you know, I start salivating at the thought of it. They come in, and I'm a rookie in the job. And so this couple sits down with me and John. They've been married 25 years or so. They've got on the outside the marriage that I want. They've got the kids that I want my kids to be like. And so we sit down together, the four of us, me, John, and this couple, husband and wife. And uh, they're, they're giving all the great answers. I'm like, they're going to be the best leaders. And then I notice that he cuts her off one time. No big deal. You know, but then he does it a second time. And then he does it a third time. And it was not mean. He wasn't calling her names, but he just interrupted her. And so they left the meeting, and, and John says to me, send your John. John says, how was that meeting? What would you think? And I said, I think they're great. I, you know, I'd love for them to leave. And he says, okay. He says, what are you going to do about that thing that he did three times? Like, oh, yeah. Well, I was kind of hoping that you would call him, John, and you tell him about it. And John says, I'm not going to call him. You're going to get on the phone, and you're going to call him, and you're going to ask him about it. And so I call husband's terrified. Hey, we love meeting with you. I really want you to lead a foundation group, but I, but I want to share something that I saw a couple times in our meeting. I saw you snap at your wife three different times, and you weren't being mean, but I, I just don't know if I could put five newlywed couples in your living room for a year and a half and have them watch your marriage, because I don't want them to repeat that specific part of your marriage. Everything else they can repeat, but I'm concerned about this. And so I might be around... But I would love it if you would ask your wife, and if you would just call me back the next day and let me know what she says. And so, you know, uh, I'm expecting to get rid of you, little punk. You don't know anything. And don't you know who we are? I'll go to another church. They would love to have our gifts and our money. But he calls back the next day. He says, thank you for calling. Thank you. My wife was so grateful that you asked that question. And so they work through it. They talk through it. Guess who the biggest fan of the marriage ministry is a watermark? The husband is, but his wife, man, she bakes us cakes all the time. She's always ready to jump in. And they're phenomenal leaders. You know, and I think they would have done a great job. But if you sense something that just is off a little bit, please, please have the conversation. Just be reminded that you are putting them in leadership. And they're, you're couples who don't have a good model of what a good marriage looks like. They are going to look at your mentors, and they're going to want what they have. And so if he cuts her down, and she rises up and takes leadership, if she's the leader of the marriage, then you've got to talk about that. You've got to address it uh, and have that conversation because your participants will want to copy what they see in front of them. Okay. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So you, you basically you define what you wanted, right? You've, you've recruited them, you've researched them, and as you have this total picture, then at this point you've got to decide. Is, is this a yes or is this a no? Um, and, and, and so I think sometimes... Um, you know, we, the yes is easy. Hey, yes, we'd love for you to serve. And, you know, you're, you're laying out there for them. Hey, here's the ask. And, you know, I, I think the big thing, too, for us is in this whole recruiting process that I meant to mention, too, was just making sure they have the full picture of the serve. 
Right, it, it's easy to almost become this used car salesman over what the serve is. Like, oh, it's I mean, it's newly married couples. What could go wrong? You know, it's like, and, and they'll babysit your kids every night. I mean, they come over and, you know, like there's just all these different things that I could go, yeah, like, <laughs> come serve with me. But I try to give them the complete picture. Right, so when it comes to like, hey, the hardest part of this is providing care. I, I don't know what you're going to get. It's a, it's a box of chocolates, you know? Like, you could get this great newly married group that just takes off. You could get train wreck. And, and what I need you to know is I need you and as a leader to be at a place where you can trust that this group is God's provision for you for this season of your life. No matter what you end up with. Okay? And, and so I just think being mindful of that, too, as you say, hey, so just a reminder, here's the yes, here's the no. You may have follow-up that you feel like you need to do based on the research that you did. That you go, hey, I don't know if I can give a yes or a no yet, so let me let me kind of do some follow-up here. It could be that it's a, it's a wait, right? It's a, hey, we think these things are great. We think with the nearness of, of this infidelity, the nearness of just some of the confessed sin maybe that you've had, that, hey, let's give you guys a little bit more time to get to a, a, a little bit healthier place. But other than that, like, man, you need to know. And, and with that type of thing, like our best leaders here are leaders that have been just crashed out on the rocks. Okay, so you saw Suze get up there today and share her story. And, and who is most passionate about helping people who are crashed out? It's people that have been there before. So we're not, we're not scared of that. We just want to make sure that it's a healthy time and a healthy place for them to be stepping into a leadership role. And so it could be that it's a wait. It could be that it's a, hey, guess what? We, you know, there's another opportunity potentially for us to have you serve. So like, if there's couples that want to serve and merge, but we're kind of going, hey, I don't know that you've been married long enough to really lead a merge table. Scott does a great job of really being able to plug them in at the back and help out maybe with audio, to help putting out different snacks, to help welcoming people in, to set up, to do teardown. And what's great about that is they're now interacting with these other Americans. Okay, they're sitting in there and all the leader training that he does for his main leaders, they're soaking that in. Okay, they, Scott's also getting to watch them interact together, to watch them serve together, to watch they re, the way they relate to the other leaders. Um, and so if you don't have on-ramp opportunities for couples that you're saying no to, you need to try to begin to figure out what are ways that we can bring them in. For us with foundation groups, if there's a leader who's not maybe ready to lead a group on his own, we want to help them have an apprentice type deal, right? Where we would say, hey, would you mind leading with maybe a younger couple that, that you could bring them through? I think Scott does that with Merge as well. Um, but if you're going to tell them a no or a wait, or maybe, like, you've got to figure out a way to go, hey, how could I help them get there? You know, because it, it's just hard enough to go, Hey, you know what? That's not going to work out. Uh, maybe somewhere else. You know, it's like, I don't know, like you've got you've to help them get better and see that as an opportunity to kind of equip them, um, even if they're not kind of ready uh, to jump in and lead. So, good. Good. So the, uh, the other thing, here's a, here's a challenge. Let's say you meet with someone and um, you think they'd be more qualified to lead somewhere else. So they've got a great marriage. They're passionate about leading others, but they really love children. But you can tell, are you willing to say to them, hey, I think you'd be great marriage ministry leaders, but what if you led in our children's ministry? They don't do those with the people that are like, I don't want you to serve with me. Here's a, here's a great place to serve. Okay? But if you've got someone that's really qualified and you need a leader and you think they'd be great, but maybe they'd be more passionate about something else, are you willing to just really love them well and encourage them to try something else? So next is to train and so we, you know, what we say in our sheet is set up a time to teach them leader essentials, give them needed least resources to lead. Bottom line is here that most of them are not going to feel qualified to lead. And so we found over the years, as we look at other churches, there are a couple different models. One is that you can put them in a class or a classroom, and you're teaching them forever. You've got like the one-year training program to become a leader in marriage ministry. The other option you have is just to say, hey, go love people. If you need anything, give me a call. Okay, we, we are probably more towards that side. Not that irresponsible. But, but what we've noticed is that a lot of churches do a great job of equipping and training. And here's all the things. And here are the 400 situations that you might encounter down the road. And when you finish preparing for these 400 situations, then you can lead a small group of a few couples. A couple things. One, they're not going to remember whatever you teach them. Okay, second, we're pulling our best people off the field. That's like taking the best quarterback available and putting him in quarterback school for a year when he's ready to go tomorrow. And so don't pull them off the field. There is a tension. You don't want to be irresponsible. But we can, as the church, tend to pull people off the side 
instead of getting them in the game. We are amazed at what we can do in a two-hour training. And so we get a group of people in a room, we challenge them, we train them, we equip them, we get them ready to go, and then we give them our contact information. There's so much that we can do in a short amount of time. I don't want you to underestimate what you can do in a training method or a, tra a training meeting or a couple-hour training session, whatever you do. There are different learning styles. And so, you know, some people are, give me a book and I'll read it and I'll learn it. There are other people that say, I won't read it, give me a one-page sheet, put me in, and I'm going to learn on the job. And so you, sometimes you just got to discern what's their best gift mix, how are they going to work best. And so you've got to be flexible in the way that you train. We do a whole lot of training around here, but so much of it is informal. It's formal trainings before a class starts, before a group starts, before they start re-engaged. It's phone calls as they're in the middle of crises. In Merge, we do a leader, uh, a leader meeting every week. Re-engage does a leader meeting every week. And so we get an hour with them every week. It's my favorite time of the week. It's like a pregame talk. I get to train them, inspire them, equip them, get them ready to go out on the field and lead. Lunches, coffees, discipleship opportunities, teachable moments, bringing other people along. There are so many different methods that we need to employ to train others. I just want to caution you against putting them and taking them off the field for a while. I went through seminary, and so for four years, that pulled me off the field. It was helpful. I learned a little bit, but, man, I don't think I learned four years' worth. And so for four years, I didn't get to do full-time ministry. All I did was learn a bunch of stuff that I have never looked at in nine years of full-time ministry. And so I, I, will I be held accountable for that? I don't know. Uh, I learned Greek and Hebrew, and I don't remember any of it, okay, looking back now. But um, so much more of what I have learned is by following others' lead and by just getting in the game, getting my hands dirty and messy and leading. That's awesome. Hey, to kind of follow up on that, just a picture of this. When I, I have four kids, uh, my oldest is nine, it's a little girl, and I've got an eight, a six, and a four-year-old boy. And so when my two oldest were kind of right in that three to four range, um, I, I used to work at a camp, and so with pools everywhere, and we're like, we've got to teach these kids how to swim. And so I remember that when my daughter, the year before, we put her in a swim lesson. And uh, I remember it was at the college, and we were kind of like, okay, this should be good. And like, I think this lady's the swim whisperer, you know, like she'll get your kid to swim. And, and what I remember about that training was like, my daughter did a lot of sitting on the edge of the pool and choosing one. Okay, so this is the strokes, and this is what you do. And, and I'm sitting there like, she's three. Like, I, I don't know that that's going to work, you know. And so we sit there watching and like literally get to the end of the whole swim lesson, and my daughter can't swim. I'm like, what did we just do? That was ridiculous. And so fast forward to the next summer, it's time for her and it's time for Caleb to learn how to swim. And we're like, there's got to be a better swim teacher than this. And so we get this kind of hear rumblings of like, hey, there's this girl and she can get your kid to swim. And we're like, okay, that sounds great. And, and then she's like, but she really doesn't like parents to kind of hang around while she's doing it. And I'm like, okay, that's good to know. And I was like, but do we trust her to do that? And so of course that first day, it's like we drop our kids off and then we're kind of standing around going like, what's she going to do? And before we know it, it's like, She's like dropping the kids in, and then it's just, hey, touch, push, touch, push. You know, and so they're, they're like, I'm drown, I'm drown. You know, it's like, it's amazing. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, touch, push. And like, hey, I moved, I moved. And like, she's beginning to teach him how to breathe. And like, there's so much in me that wants to, wanted to just like jump in and like, okay, but it, but it would have hindered their growth. Okay? And so sometimes you're, you're throwing leaders in, and you're going, okay, I'm right here. And she was always right there. Like, she'd pull them up out of the water if they were struggling and say, hey, don't forget, touch, push. Drop them back down. Touch, push, touch, push, you know, and, and it was so cool. I just remember our kids as they got older, like, at one time, one night in the bath that we could hear them, and they're going, touch, push, definitely, touch, push, definitely. you know, like, they're then trying to, to train others as well, and so sometimes you do, you've got to, um, and this is the next one, just, you've got to unleash them, okay, and so you can kind of train them to death, or all of a sudden they're just kind of going, man, I forget even why I jumped into this, like, what was the serve I was doing, like, I, I've got all this training and all this book knowledge, but, but I really don't have the experience of doing it. And so, as Scott said, there's got to be this healthy balance, but then there's got to come this point when you go, hey, when, when's enough enough? And when can we kind of send them out? I mean, you think about your first real job, right? There was some training on the front end before they kind of, like, send you out to go do that, but then all of a sudden you're going, man, I, I really need to just, do, I need to do this. I need to try it out. And so, um, you know, you think about what works best. People need to see it, then they need to do it, and then they be able, need to really to be able to sit down and, and to talk about it, Right? So to, to talk about that experience, hey, what you learn? And so we try to stay close with our leaders, especially at the beginning, that we're doing early follow-up, that uh, we do some survey stuff with our groups where we send it out first three or four months to the couples and just go, hey, could you give us some feedback? What is it you enjoy about your leader? What is it that you think we could do to maybe help your leader grow more? 
Um, if there's huge issues there from, you know, from the couples, we're going, hey, we want you to have that conversation first. We want you to sit down and talk with your leader. If we can help you in how to do that in a humble way, we'd love to do that. If you don't feel like you get a response from your leader, then we'd love to sit down with you and the leader to talk that through. But we want to do some early follow-up to kind of go, hey, how's this thing going? And then we're constantly telling our, te- our leaders to, to really do some keep, stop, start stuff. You know, we go, hey, what do I need to keep doing as a leader? What do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? Okay? And, and so just really trying to help them, you know, in the midst of this grow uh, as, they, as they go along. And so um, Scott mentioned this, but what they need typically is just whatever they need in the moment. You know, like we, we do some great stuff as we unleash them, and Scott's going to talk about just encouragement and stuff like that. But there's so many times where I'll, you know, I'll get an email from a leader. It's like, hey, this just happened. And like hey, two months ago, do you remember that, that document we sent out? And it talked about, you know, like it's a whole one-pager on this. And they're like, yeah, no, I don't remember. And I was like, awesome. It's been about three hours. And they're putting that together, crafting it, making it look really nice, and you didn't even read it. And they're like, they'll click on it and be like, dude, that was gold. Well, why? It's because they need it. Before, it was just kind of like, ah, I don't know, that's one more thing. So you've got to unleash them and send them out there, but you've got to also be quick to kind of go, hey, okay, where do they need help? How can we step in? So. Let's get this one. Number seven is my favorite one. So it's encouragement. Encourage, value, celebrate, give high fives. What do we do to strengthen them? And so we put on your sheet, I love these three questions. Give uh, credit to um, Chachi, who you've seen on the stage. Chachi is on our staff. He's our director of student ministry. He is amazing at leading a student ministry. And so uh, here are three questions, three things that they do with their leaders in student ministry. Do they know what they're doing? Do they feel competent, capable, are they equipped? Do they know what they're doing? Second, do they feel like they're a part of a family? That's, you know, leadership is lonely sometimes. You feel like you're on your own leading. And so do they feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves? Do they feel like they're valued and cared for? And then third, do they know what they're doing is making a difference? I mean, like with with marriages, we're making a difference. We ought to be making a huge difference in the lives of others. And so just reminding them that what you're doing matters. That, that's why we're here, right? That's the theme for this week is marriage matters. And so leaders, what you're doing matters. And so I'm just going to run through a bunch of things that we do that we, um, that we do around here. And, and you've got your own things you do as well, but how to value them, celebrate them, strengthen them. One is just to give them feedback along the way. Lance just mentioned that. And so uh, one thing that we can do to value leaders is to help them become better leaders and then to celebrate the wins along the way. We want them to know that we're encouraged by what they're doing. We celebrate. We tell stories. And so one leader of a foundation group does a great job leading. You can bet that the other 75 foundation group leaders are going to hear the story of faithfulness of one of their leaders. We love to be encouraged. And there's no sound like the sound of your own name. And so not, not that it's about us, but we love to hear what we're doing well out of boys. And sometimes all we hear is what we're not doing well. Sometimes our leaders just hear how they could be doing a better job. And so I just want to remind you a couple scriptures of the value of our words and the tongue. And so Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruits. So what, what comes out of your mouth? What kind of words? Are they words that bring death or are they words that bring life? And then we all know this from James 3. I'm not going to read 1 through 10. But chapter 3 of James, specifically about the tongue. Start with verse 9, uh, verse 8. Small print Bible. Start with verse 7, because that's all I can find right now. For every kind of beast, bird, reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With our tongues we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And so what, what can you do with your words? I'm telling my kids this constantly. Okay, the, the words that we use are valuable. They're significant. And so what are you doing to encourage others? What are you doing to attaboy, to celebrate what they're doing? We do a couple things. You know, we, as, Whenever I can, just a small gesture of buying them a cup of coffee or a meal. Uh, we do leader events where we have leaders gathered together. We celebrate. We get one of our elders to just be with them and to thank them for what they're doing. Honestly, one of the best things that we can do is something that we don't do anymore. It's the lost art of letter writing. It's not typing out an email. 
It's sitting down with a note card and a pen and writing them a handwritten note. So I've got no budget for gifts. I can't buy them anything. I can't give them books. I can't give them Starbucks cards. But what I can do is just write them a little note and tell them how encouraged I am by what they're doing. And remind them their rewards in heaven, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of crowns coming for, for marriage ministry leaders. Yep. Um, you know, if you got a budget for it, get them some swag. You know, we, we finally made a T-shirt on the merch team last year, and you would think we were giving out gold. It was like a $7 shirt. But they loved it. They wear it proudly. You might see some people wearing it tonight. One thing, if you're not from Texas, if you put the state of Texas on anything, people want it. And so the merch shirt that I made has the state of Texas on it with the word merge on it. And you would think it was like the great, you would think it like made your marriage better. And so do something that's going to make them feel valued, appreciated, cared for if you've got the budget for it. Uh, what, what else would you add to that? Uh, I just think part of that, just on the encouragement, a lot of times you can encourage them by strengthening them. Right. You know, and, and so there's some different things we've kind of put in place to try to just help strengthen our leaders. We, uh, this past, was that last summer, we did instruments in the Redeemer's hands. Uh-huh. So with Paul Tripp's book, Instrument in the Redeemer's Hands, we kind of, each person on our team took a different chapter. We just kind of said, hey, let's break that down into notes and let's just kind of do some book notes through that book. And so we just, we encouraged our leaders to go through that and read through it with us, which just really helped kind of all of them grow. Right now we're doing kind of a, a monthly verse that we're sending out to all our leaders. We did kind of a lock screen for iPhones, you know, just saying, hey, we want all of our leaders to be memorizing the same verse. Why? So that it can help them, you know, in their in their ministry. Scott Stanley came and, and did an event with all our leaders at one point to just kind of talk about commitment. And uh, and so that was really, I mean, those are, those are fun type events as well. Uh, but we're constantly trying to think that we, just, we shot some videos at one point, just going, hey, what are these essentials that we want to teach, you know, our leaders? That's where... Uh, and one of those videos, the, the four four things that couples do to get well, like that was one of those. I, I still use that sheet over and over and over again, um, you know, to, to share that with our leaders. And so we're just we're just really trying to listen to what's going on, and then try to figure out, hey, we're seeing a lot of this. We probably should address that with our leaders to kind of help them come along. And it's just it really is cool to see them, you know, go. Oh, and that was that actually was a blessing that really helped us. Um, I do leader huddles with foundation group couples because we don't ever have a time other than the initial training where we're meeting together. Scott, you know, gets his leaders in front of him every week. So, you know, we'll try to do some huddles where we basically kind of cater the lunch up here. If you didn't, didn't want to cater the lunch, you could kind of say, hey, if you don't mind bringing five bucks or something like that with you to kind of help offset costs. But the leaders then come up over their lunch period and they're able to sit down at tables and just talk about, hey, what's going well? What are you learning? What are things that you're having trouble with? And they can kind of sit down and interact as leaders and then I'll have different people kind of come in and share. I have one of the elders come in and speak on discipleship to kind of help them out. And so they're just, just really be trying to think through ways to go, hey, how can I share with them things that I'd love for them to know? Okay, one, other, one other thing. So um, I read this book, and I cannot remember the author's name. It's called Practicing Affirmation. Has anyone heard of it? You can Google it and find it on Amazon. Um, my, one, I think the thing, um, I've got a lot of spiritual gifts I don't have. One of them that's primary for me is encouragement. And so... For those of you who have the gift of encouragement, I'll just say, what, what can you do more? Excel still more and encouraging others. And so I read this book, and it just blew me away on how I can um, encourage and affirm others. And so his tagline is, you affirm in others when you see the glory of God in them. And so one time at a leader meeting uh, with, you know, 20 leader couples in the room, it was no big deal because this is the gift that God's given me, not for me, but for God's glory. And so listed out for all 20 leaders, here's something I saw good in every one of them. And so just went around the room and I said, Sarah, when you did this, man, that was awesome. It was such a great thing. And that's where I see the glory of God in you. And Lance, when you did this, and, you know, it was no big deal. But, I mean, that, I mean people just walked out of there. They're like, okay, what's he going to say about me when it's my turn? Like, they were just waiting for that. And so what can you do to affirm them? And, you know, don't make it about you, about what people, who cares what people say about us? As a leader, you want to affirm and strengthen and build others up. And so what can you do? to affirm it when you see the glory of God in them and being in the way that God uses them yeah. to lead others. And I'd say for me, too, just being available. I mean, think about how, just how encouraging that is to kind of go, hey, I know I'm not alone. I know that if I need anything, you're actually there. And so being available isn't just saying, hey, give me a call if you need anything, right? It, there's, there's being proactive to reach out and not just, hey, talking to them when things are wrong or their group sideways, but to really go, hey, how can I be proactive in reaching out make sure they know I'm here Sure, no, I'm available, and all the time when I do that, they go, "Hey, yeah, you know what? I've been meaning to call you. 
we had this going on, but, but they just did it, you know? And so being able to kind of initiate with that is huge. And so the last step in this whole process is just multiply. Um, you can figure out why the bunnies are there, but um, <laughs> they did a laugh at the end. Um, but this is the deal. Encourage your leaders to replace themselves. Okay? Encourage your leaders to replace themselves. And so, you know, Scott couples go through merge. I'm sure there's this level of, man, these guys are a great couple. And so there's almost this kind of like, hey, let's kind of realize that those guys are here. For me, with foundation groups, I mean, I'm, I'm asking my leaders to raise up marriage ministry leaders because we just go, hey, you know, we think that this is something that, that, that just shouldn't terminate on you, you know, that you're constantly trying to hold their hand through things. And so one of the things we tell our leaders a lot, too, is to uh, give away leadership to create ownership. Okay, to be able to give away leadership. So within foundation group, there's times where those couples are actually going to facilitate the group, and they're going to lead it. You know, and what does that do for them? Like, it helps them grow. It gives me a chance as a leader to give them feedback. Hey, I thought you did this really well. Um, well, we took our foundation group to Haiti, um, we had you know, probably six or seven days there. And so I just basically assigned every couple a different day. I said, hey, I want you in the morning, I want you to lead our Devo as we get rolling. Um, and in the evenings, we're going to have a time where we're going to check in as a group, and I want you to lead that. Okay, So I want you to have some questions prepared. I want you to have scripture that you've read through that you're praying over us. I want, you know, if there's different things that you want us to share, you're leading that day. And you're kind of our guide for that day. And so I, easily I could have just come up with those things or just done whatever, but it was so fun to watch them. And then even the different couples to kind of go, hey, we decided we wanted to do it. We wanted to do this song. Like, we just wanted to sing a hymn with you guys. And, and it's just funny to watch the girls go, like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And sometimes my wife and I are like, that was good. You know, like, we're, and so we're learning, right? Because they've got these new ideas. And so the idea to multiply, to, to really just to go, hey, and trust these things of faithful men who will teach others also, mm-hmm. is huge um, as you put this thing together. So that's, I don't know, eight steps. We've got 13 minutes, probably till this thing wraps up. And so we just, yeah, love to kind of get to the specifics. Is there anything you've Yeah, I just had two things. One thing that we are consistently encouraging our leaders to do. One is, you know, are you in God's Word? I don't know if that showed up specifically, but the best way that we can strengthen and value them is by encouraging them to read God's Word. And So they're going to do that if you model that for them. The other thing that's a very, very high value around here is sharing your faith. And so if you, as you lead a ministry, if you're not sharing your faith, then you can expect that no one that leads with you will share their faith. And so Todd Wagner, who you heard from this weekend does, or this morning, does uh, the best job I know of a, of a leader encouraging others to share their faith. And every time he encourages us to, he has a new story. He's not going, hey, I remember this time eight years ago when I shared with the lady at Starbucks. He's going to like uh, an hour ago when I picked up my cup of coffee, here's how I engage someone spiritually. She didn't trust in Christ and her eternity's not changed, but I engage with her. And so just make me, that's another way that you can really value and strengthen your couples is encouraging them to be growing in the spiritual disciplines. They'll be better leaders if they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, questions. There's one back there. So, um, privately, this is a good, this is your model. Publicly, is there a equipping track that that is publicized that people enter into through a, a non-marriage, just a regular member discipleship path that you guys would call your something? would be your, does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. So um, is there any kind of set discipleship apart from marriage ministry? Well, and specifically, yeah, as a corporate equipping track, yep. that would be the one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one that, that you guys are then also kind of handpicking who would work for the marriage ministry yep. out of that. That's great. So I'll give an answer and I'll let you hear what you'd say. Some churches have a very clear path for everything. The Saddleback, I think, of does an incredible job of the one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one, four-on-one. Uh, we're more of a smorgasbord, where you have about a hundred different options on where you can jump in and lead and grow. And so you might, as a new believer, you might go to our, uh, you know, equipped disciple, which is basically like the navigator's material. Um, you can go be a part of our recovery ministry and learn how to uh, recover and grow and lead in recovery. You can grow in marriage ministry. You can, um, you can grow in by serving and raising kids. One of the best ways to equip someone to be a great marriage leader is by having them teach four-year-olds the book of God, okay? Um, we're a heavy community-based church, and so I think a lot of our equipping takes place on a day-in, day-out basis as we do community with others. And so it's one of the things that I love about Watermark is that if you are a member here, you are required to be in a community group, small group, home group, and you're also required to use your gifts and serve. And so a lot of the growth takes place on Sundays, in community, 
on Sunday morning and then in a hundred different ways around here. We're a complex, complicated church model and there are a lot of ways to grow. Uh, we can probably use some clarity in some ways and just what's the best first step. But we'll, yeah. we'll and, and so with that, the whole community piece and being a place where everybody's in those, they, the community team does some training from time to time, the whole group can jump in. And so they might offer a night that they go, hey, there's kind of four different topics here that are going on. Like one could be, um, you know, just having the hard conversation. And so, hey, how do you balance grace and truth within your group? Um, hey, I think one time there was one called, uh, hey, the most important 30 seconds in your group. And so that's how do you respond when a couple shares just something that's really hard. Um, there may be some on just accountability. Like, hey, how do I walk through accountability and stuff like that well with my group? And so your whole group may go that night to a training night. It's a two-hour training night, but you may split up and go to different different those events. And so then as a group, you're coming back together and going, oh, what did you learn? Oh, and we took this away. And, and so anytime we have those events, I'm, I'm telling our foundation couples, hey, send your couples to this. Like that's something that they can learn and grow in and not just you guys needing to go there. And then give them time to kind of interact and talk around them. So there's there's things like that that are, that are going on that we're, we're trying to help. So good. These two, go ahead. Right. So, I got kind of a two-part question here. I'm a, I'm assuming I'm probably not the only one in the room in this scenario. So, I'm a worship pastor, missions coordinator, family pastoral care coordinator, and I lead a connect group. You know, so that's my job, right? So I'm looking somewhat envious. I have to confess here at y'all being able to focus all of your energies in one specific area like this. This is a pretty time-intensive process, right, to raise up leaders. So I'm not even thinking about this process, not just in developing a marriage ministry, but in all these other areas as well that I work in. So how do you get the ball rolling with that kind of context? And I'm in a church of about, uh, a rapidly growing church of about 700 right now, and we continue to grow. So the other half of the question is, uh, we have this past year, and this is a celebration, a great thing, we've had about 130 people we picked up over the last year and on paper it's 100% conversion growth so these are people that are coming to Christ all in it's fantastic but then you look at something like this I'm looking at there's crisis marriages and maybe we don't have all of these great couples with these model marriages to pick from they don't even know Jesus yet you know really in, in in the grand sense so how do you maybe get this ball rolling on a smaller scale with limited resources limited time you know, yeah. with that to kind of choose from. Yeah, and I think first and foremost, like every ministry that's really pretty much started up here has started up here because a lay person said, hey, I think we need that. And so until that leader is raised up that can kind of take that on, that maybe go, you go, hey, we're, we're probably not going to do that until there's someone that would take ownership over that and go, hey. So it, it's easy to kind of think, oh, I bet you just hired someone and then they just built it from the ground up. No, no, no. Typically, some lay leader built it from the ground up and then maybe at some point down the road, we went, hey, would you like to come on staff with us? Mm-hmm. I'm a lawyer. I can't. Okay, yeah, I will. And like, it's just, it's crazy, I think, to just see how, watching people kind of step out of faith and kind of go, you know what? Yeah, like this is an area of passion for me, and I'm going to kind of step in and lead. So that's that's one part to that that I would just say, hey, if you don't have the people to kind of lead over that, then it may not be the best thing to maybe get that started. So Three, three quick thoughts. One is um, I think the, the way that we've lined it out, I think this is the way you go, is that you define what you're looking for, you start recruiting, having a conversation. So one, we wanted to make this a, here's what you do when you go back home, when you need to find leaders, here's the process we would recommend. And so one is just apply what you're learning here today. Second, um, our jobs haven't always been this way. When I got hired, I had three full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. And so community groups, newly married, uh, pre-married, and then doing crisis as well on the side. And so it's just been over over the years, and I know I live in. John always tells us we live on Fantasy Island. It's ridiculous for me to do full time premarital ministry is is a gift. I don't take it lightly in any way. But but that's you know that's ten years being on staff. It's kind of yeah. I and think also too with the specific like what you mentioned, like man, I'm envious of you. Like and you're like, hey, we're a church of seven hundred. Like I have that many couples in foundation groups. Mm-hmm. You know, so like there is this level too of going, hey, even though I can kind of focus solely on that, like, there's so much <coughs> going on that it's not like I'm just sitting there going, well, what am I going to do today? No, yeah. There, you know, and so it's like, like there is a, and I, and I think that's what's kind of hard to, to kind of grasp and go, whoa, okay, how's that? So this is more kind of because so, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm speaking for, I think, what a lot of people yeah. kind of look yeah. at and go, well, they do this full time. So, yeah. you know, kind of more, 
practical on a grassroots, you know, like you said, finding that person that has a passion for it um, is, is great, but if not finding that person. So you said, you know, then maybe it's not time to do that. What do we do with the marriage in crisis in the meantime? We've got tons of blended, ripped apart, torn up families in our church. It's not acceptable in a sense for me to say, well, we're just we're just not there to do anything about it. What what do we? I think one thing that I love, you know, Amy Stanley at North Point has this great saying: "You do for one what you wish you could do for many." Mm-hmm. And so you just do the Take best one you can. It might just be one at a time. Yeah. Who's the most teachable, hurting, mm-hmm. vulnerable? I need to mm-hmm. do whatever I need to do to grow and grab them and go. And I, I just you know, in the new believers, I, I, one I think that's awesome. Yeah. That yeah. your that your growth is conversion growth, not transfer growth. And so I just say, don't discount what those guys can do. Don't put them sure. on their own. But man, I bring the new believer to everything. I, I remember when I was a new believer, I could not stop sharing my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in, in Atlanta, and I I mean, everyone I worked with, I, I could I don't know I didn't know how to read my Bible. I didn't know how to pray. But man, I knew where I could bring them, and I knew I was just contagious about who Jesus was. And now, after walking with the Lord for 17 years, I just don't have that fire like I used mm-hmm. to have. And so I love hanging out with my, or new believers. And so if I find them, I'm bringing them to everything I do. And I'm not like I'm not even going to go to the bathroom and leave them on their own. I want to be there with them, but I want to bring them to as much as possible because their faith is. Just yeah. yeah. So I think for you, it's like you you go, hey, I've got these five buckets, and I, if I were you, I'd just be going, hey, who are my key leaders potentially in each of these areas, and I'm just going to start building into those guys, and then I'm going to start to see, hey, can those guys start to find, hey, who are your key leaders that are going to helping you then do what you're wanting to try to do, and then you just you just slowly start to to build, and it's it is a process. Like you don't you don't get there overnight. Yeah. Um, you're going to have plenty of frustration because it it did. It just takes way more time. Than you realize, but it, it's worth it. Yeah. So we have a, a couple that, and I didn't talk to you either because we did have that passion or just lay people in the best thing. Our minister said when we sat down to President Reengage was, this will work because when a lay person, a lay couple comes in with a passion for something, they take it and run with it and it works. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you about our Reengage, it's such a bad thing. But when you appoint somebody and say, we need to do this, he, this was my, where our minister was saying, he said, sometimes it just, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So, mm-hmm. Are you a minister? Yeah, no one's there. Maybe your minister might need to be preaching about marriage in his sermons. Kind of the ball rolling. Yeah. We do that. Yeah. 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 But anyway, well, my question real quick is, we now have a couple um, with a, um, it, it's more, in fact, I don't even think it's infidelity, but a lot of individual um, problems, uh, they had individual, very serious problems, um, drug use, alcohol, whatever, but they've been three years out of that, and um, they came to re-engage last semester, we're doing a semester, came through, thought we had just lost them, thought we'd done what we can, you know, whatever. they came back this semester, completely different people. Um, God just redeemed everything. And so, anyway, and they are in a, the small group with probably our best lead couple, very qualified, 50-year marriage couple. And so anyway, and they are suggesting that this couple is prepared to lead a small group. So how do you, um, what specific questions would you ask to, I know you've got the interview form on the line and all, but is there some specific questions so that we feel rest assured that um, they're there? Yeah, good question. So the question is, if you've got someone who's fallen, who's had a tough season, and they're ready to get, they think they're ready to get back in the game, how do we know if they are? Mm-hmm. Right? Actually, so, the leaders pointed them out and said, this couple needs to lose. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think if I wasn't sure, I wouldn't put them in by themselves. I'd put them with that other couple. And I'd probably say, you guys co-lead a group together, and then you give them more and more of the reins over the weeks instead of just throwing them in. It depends on how fresh the herd is. And um, if I had any discernment, spidey sense questions, I'd be a little hesitant to put them in on their own. But I would want, you know, I'd ask all the questions I'd ask any couple. Just where is your marriage? Where are you doing well? Where are you struggling? How are you going to communicate about where you fell? I would treat them just like anyone else. Whatever they went through, in some ways, it probably isn't too different than what I experience on a day-in-day basis. And so the same questions 
that someone ought to ask me, I'd say we'd want to ask them. And the thing is, it's really neat is that they are very quick to, they'll tell you about the past, but they'll tell you about how God's redeemed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is three, four years ago, so yeah. it's not fresh. Yeah. I just want to make sure, like you said, that. They, they love the Lord and give his word and shepherd others. And Quick other question real quick. Do you, can y'all sell those t-shirts and mugs and all that for re-engage? <laughs> Uh, I do not know. Yeah. Yeah. Susan or okay. Bethany or one of them. Yeah, yeah. I go to guest services and look for Bethany. Yes. She might be able to answer that question right here. Um, I liked how you said don't compromise just because there's a need. How often do you say no? You know, side question on that, I, I would tell you um, every time that I have compromised, it has bit me in the butt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a handful, and I'm learning. Like I've learned, especially when I was new, uh, if there was a need, I'd put someone in the game even if I didn't think they were ready. And every time it's cost me time, it's hurt their couples more significantly. It compromises the gospel every time we put someone in where we don't think they're ready. So uh, we would say no to someone more uh, because of season of life, because of spiritual maturity. And so I like the way Lance, uh, I always call him Lance, that's my nickname. Lance said it, <laughs> is that we have on-ramp opportunities for them. And so even if they're not in a full-on leadership role, we, and they're, they're willing to serve, we'll find something for them to do. Yeah, and so we don't, we don't say often. They tell us uh, no a lot more often than we tell someone else, uh, no, or than we tell them no. Yeah. Yep. Mine, I might not say no as much as I, I provide on-ramps for other yeah. opportunities. So there's a lot of times they may end up jumping into merge because it's they're not just in their home by themselves, but it's like, hey, they're up here with Scott. They're up here with these other leaders. It's a, it's a good place for them to jump in. There's times where you know, if we've got somebody who reached out and said, hey, we want to lead marriage ministry. Great, let's sit down. You know, let's have, how long have you been at Watermark? Oh, we just got here last week. Where'd you come from? We're from California. I'm like, okay, like, are you in community? No, we're not in community. I'm like, I'm like we don't know these people. Don't know so it's just kind of like, hey, that's, you know, I love that you have a passion for marriage, but can we need to kind of get to know you a little bit better and love to see you kind of jump in. So why don't you find a place to serve and just be faithful here? And then let's keep tracking. And let's just kind of see as you get into community group, as you find this place to serve. And, and so those are, I don't know that I have necessarily these hate no type conversations. I don't. We're probably, it's three o'clock. We we'll probably take one one more, and then we can just stick around and answer questions. Yeah. Until three thirty. I don't. I don't know which one is right. I don't, I don't know who is first. I know you haven't asked one yet, so you get to go. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about the couple that he's. You, know, you, you didn't want him, but you wanted her. How do you push that other one to get to the point where you need that? Like we, we have couples that love. Her, but maybe not him, or vice versa. How do you get that other person to kind of balance it out? So you get them, you get them. Well, that's a different breakout week. No, yeah. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, that's a, it's a heart. It's yeah, that's when I send them to Lance, and I think you better do, you do a better job with it. Now, you know, if they're not, if they're not um, equally passionate about marriages, and I, well, I would I'm look for someone. Maybe one's an introvert or the other's not. And you yeah. just know that an introvert is not going to be a good facilitator. Yeah. So how do you push them towards yes. getting to that point? That's a great question. Um, Same thing last Well, you're thinking yeah. that. So real quick on that, I'd say, I mean, there may be times where the woman does facilitate some of that stuff yes. better. But the husband still needs, I mean, he needs to have a presence. He needs to, you know, speak boldly when, when the opportunity is there. Yeah. And then I just think overall, like, what if, when you look at them and how they're gifted, like my hope is that he would be stepping up in other ways. That maybe if it's, hey, you're not an upfront kind of guy, but man, he's going to get in your grill individually. He's going to ask you know, those questions if it's just one-on-one. And so trying to figure out, okay, how do we balance that you know, in such a way to go, hey, so here's the deal. I don't know that the couples are going to relate well to you leading in front of them, possibly. So you're going to have to work harder than on those times outside of that to, to really connect with them. That's really good. Well, very well said. I mean, there's, a lot often we see that the wife is much more extroverted. She's a better host. She's probably a better facilitator. And so I hate to disqualify them just because he's more introverted. And so we don't. We just make sure he needs to have a clear presence. I'm the I'm the leader of our marriage, the leader of the group of the table. But hey, she leads. She's a better facilitator. And so she's going to probably take the reins more, or she's going to lead discussion more. That doesn't mean that she's the leader of our home. And so we're just telling them to be very clear about that. And you don't apologize for the way you're wired and gifted. Right? We wouldn't tell an extroverted woman not to marry an introverted man just because they can't lead the marriage ministry. <laughs> and so we would just encourage them to be very aware. You know, one of the things we say around here a lot is know who you are, like who you are, be who you are. 
And so just tell them to be comfortable with the way God's made them, and God can still use them in marriage ministry. It's a great question. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. It's three oh five. I think three thirty. Pray? pray. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, three oh five in the main auditorium. Uh, but let me pray for you. So God, thanks for these men and women in this room. I pray as they head back home, wherever that may be, that uh, you would use them just to start or continue a marriage ministry movement within the church. God, we know that um, the, the, the need is great. Uh, we need workers. The harvest is great. So God, help us to find the right people to love the church well. Help us to reach non-believers. Help us to shepherd the believers. Help us find the right people to do it. God, for anyone in here who uh, struggles with thinking they have to be the one to do it, I pray that you would use this time to encourage them, to challenge them, to think differently. God, I thank you for the, the gifts that you've given the body of Christ. And so help us to find those for your honor and your glory in all that we do. God, I pray for the marriages that are represented in this room, and I pray for every man and woman in here that we would leave with integrity in our own home before we worry about leaving others. And so I just thank you for what you're doing. I'm grateful for what we get to learn and see for the rest of the day. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you.